sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David hey, everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we have a special guest. Um, please, for the record, state your name, guest. Hi, I'm Miriam. Miriam, uh, welcome. Yeah, one of my another one of my work friends. Uh, uh, Pat apparently doesn't have any work friends because it's always my friends on this show. <laughs> but uh, today we're going to talk about the Monkees versus One Direction, <laughs> the original boy band versus the current boy band prefabricated whatever um i'm surprised that those weren't fighting words i thought with the words uh, boy band uh, you might get hard at uh, i don't i think miriam knows they're a boy band right i do and i'm, I'm actually really interested in talking about the mythology of the boy band so it's kind of great yeah. to call back yeah um yeah because i think i think the monkeys were like the original boy band like they had like kind of prefabricated artists before that like in the 50s like Pat Boone and Frankie Avalon and those people, but I think they were the first group that was like kind of put together to. Where do the Archies records. come in? The Archies were after the Monkees. Were they? Okay. Yeah, they were like sixty-eight, sixty-nine. Um, they, they went all the way with that, where there weren't even any real people that you could identify. It was just like studio music- musicians, and they called them the Archies. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the, the, the they didn't tour or anything. Archies were. Actually, the names from the Archie comics, that's who yeah. that was supposed to... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. Um, but, okay, so we're going to go into the monkeys in a sec. But first, we got, uh, you know, we have an open-door policy here. We tell people to write us and call in. So uh, we got, I guess, a fan on the line uh, who wants to talk to us. You you guys want to deal with this dude? Sounds good. All right, uh, let's, <laughs> let's put him on. Hold on a sec. Call What's us? up, bros? Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, uh, hey! Can I can I uh, can I do a shout out to my frat brothers, SAE Sigma Alpha Epsilon? <laughs> sure, that's your. Just a that's... few of them. They they, a couple of them have uh, nicknames, so don't make fun of them. But I just want to say hello to them since I'm on the the radio right now. <laughs> I want well, what keep... kind of, what, what kind of nicknames? Well, you'll see. Uh, I want to give a shout out. Two, Hector Elizon don't, Mutant Andrew, Andy Partridge, my other brother Daryl, the McRib, Talia Shire, Huggy McSnuffle Pants, Freedom Rock, Tofuti Cutie, Jerk Store, Damn Dirty Ape, Kilgore Trout, Ricky Ticky Tavi. Who's that eating that nasty food? Sweet Sassy Molassie. Leather Tuscadero, the third season of Matlock. It's not a tumor. Sadie Gilmore. Are my toes fat? Tay Diggs. That's a spicy meatball. Pork chops and apple shash. John Wayne Gacy. Kip's Falafel Stan. The Fantastical Doug Henning. Did I do that? Dem titties. Flapjacks in my tummy. Terrence Trent Darby. Back Wait, are these all better. nicknames? Well, not yet. I haven't gotten any of the nicknames yet. <laughs> these are their real names. Please don't interrupt me. The Hampton Inn out on Route 4. Lil Juji Fruit. 
Peter Garrett's Dandruff, Celebrity Death Pool 2015, By the Power of Skull, Big Daddy Murr's Home of Vinyl Sighting, Nick Mars, Greasy Lemonade, Chet, the U.S. edition of the Beatles' Rubber Soul, Omar Coming, Don't Call Me Shirley, Great Googly Moogly, You're the Man Now, Dog, Cold Lampin' with Flavor, Disney's Pocahontas, the 18th Olympic Winter Games in Nagano, Chunky A, Bay Bay's Kids, John Cusack's Twitter account, Truck Nuts, Hoop Snake. That's just a few of them. I can't give a shout-out to all of them. I'm glad you, you hit a bunch. And yeah, all... so anyway, I, I'm SAE, Sigma Alpha Epsilon. You know we've been getting a lot of bad press from some of our chapters, like in Oklahoma, <laughs> singing racist songs on the bus. I'm here so to, what what chapter are you from? Uh, I'm from San Diego chapter, and uh, I'm I'm just here to tell you we aren't all like that. Then they're just crazy. To be honest. So you, you would never sing that song. No. I I do charitable work. Charitable work. In fact, I started uh, a foundation, and uh, I named it after an ex girlfriend. It's called Damn Gina. You get it? Uh, uh, yeah. Your your ex girlfriend's name was Gina. No, dude. Her name was Martin Lawrence, but so this charitable, this charitable, uh, whatever the hell it is that I do, see, we go out and help women. Like whenever I see a woman who looks, I don't know, she's like frowning or she has a neutral look on her face, I go up to her and tell her, "Smile, you look prettier," and that way we make the world a better place for us and them. And how do the women react? Well, I, I don't know. I don't stick around to listen to them. I'm just, I'm just trying to get as many as I can taken care of. You know, it's about, it's about quantity, not quality. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you ever notice, you ever look at pictures, uh, like old pictures, and you notice that people before the 1920s were all ugly as shit? No, I never noticed wow. that. Okay. Yeah, anyway, and I also started an app. Um, it's called Find a Hottie. And it's kind how of did, like, wait, wait, how did you start this app? Like, did you write the, write the software for it? Or did, is this just an idea you have and dude, someone's going to write I don't know it? anything about that. Yeah, I got, I got uh, some of my homies to do it for me. Is that As, one of the homies of the, like, those nicknames you said? Uh, no, I think, I think the homie I got to do that was, uh, his name was Flash. Uh, uh, but anyway, because I'm the president of, of uh, Damn Gina. Uh, I get, you know, I get them to do stuff for me. Anyway, uh, it's kind of like Foursquare, but it you can uh, you can let people know wherever you're at. Like if you're at a restaurant or a bar or just on the street, if uh, there's like a single woman or a group of women without any men around, uh, so you can go hit that. And what's the name of the app again? It's uh, Find a Hottie. I, oh. think, I think that's what I said. <laughs> Sounds. I don't know. You got to ask good. Flash uh, about that. Um, yeah, anyway, what, so, so I want to call you guys because I know you're a couple of uh, bros, just two dudes on this show. Have you, have you listened to the show? Well, I see your names, Patrick and John. There's no way that you're women. You're not one of those, you're not one of those uh, unisexual names like, you know, Tiffany so, or Dexter. <laughs> Do you often call shows you've never listened to? Only if it's all dudes. Have you ever called The, the Man Show? I don't think you can call that show. And also, it's off the air. Um, I'm only 19, by the way. 
You're, you're very mature, who's, 19. It, who's laughing? It sounds. It doesn't sound like a man. Well, we you know we we also have guests often. So. Oh, so you have like uh, what football players and and uh, and uh, truckers and stuff like that? Hell's Angels. I don't know if we've ever had a football player or a trucker. Uh, Miriam, Mar- are you a football player or a trucker? Um, I played in the powder puff game in high school. <laughs> so football, yeah. <laughs> Does that count? Muriel? That's not a man's name. Mm. No. no, it's not. It's not. Oh, so you have women on this show. Oh, well, 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 Marianne, are you, are you smiling right now? You know, I'm kind of not, but. Well. Yeah. You really should. Mm. Would it make your life better? I mean, it kind of makes everybody's life better. And also, it'll help land you a man. Are you smiling right now? I'm always smiling because, you know, my life is just popping bees and pounding peas. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I'm not sure what bees are and peas are. Well, there's no need to get crude. Oops, sorry. I think you can. I think you can work it out. Well, how, how would you react if if women went up to men and told them to smile? Well, women don't do that kind of thing. They look. Women. Women have t- been taught to uh, hide their emotions and their real feelings mm. from men. It's that's how society works. They look pretty. They get a rich man. They uh, they live in they live like Scrooge McDuck. That's the goal. That's the that's the American dream. Wait, Scrooge McDuck was a man. Yeah, they live like Scrooge McDuck. They're not Scrooge McDuck. Come on, you took you took health class in eighth grade. We didn't talk about <laughs> ducks in that class. Well, it was sixth. Anyway, um, well, I'm glad you're here, uh, Miriam. Miriam. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a delight. Yeah, this is... <laughs> oh, thank you. Hey. We're, we're, we're talking... You, you really like this episode because we are talking about all men. Yeah. Oh, I would like it. Mm-hmm. Hey, ha- have you guys ever seen a chicken eating a monkey? No. No. Uh, you think that'd be on YouTube. Oh, hey, I gotta go. Uh, Gwen Eiffel's on PBS right now. Bye! <laughs> wow, that guy was terrible. <laughs> That was interesting. I, I couldn't even bring myself to talk to him, dude. I, I, I was kind of invest, uh, interested in investing in an app. Oh, yeah. What, what was it called? Find a hottie? I wanted to get in before they got you know sued into oblivion, so maybe I could... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that guy's, that guy's going to have a lot of lawsuits coming his way. I, think I never called that. his name. Oh, uh, on the thing it said his name was Jasper Johnson. Jasper Johnson. I wonder if he's related to the either. artist. The artist Jasper Johnson? I think you got that name wrong, Pat. Oh, he just must be his son. Yeah, yeah. John's son. Okay. The monkeys. Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, Jones, and... Wait. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Capricorn, Aquarius, and Jones Limited. Uh, was their fourth album? And we'll also be talking about One Direction's fourth album. Oh, is that why you picked this album? Just... No, I actually picked this album because I liked it, but... Okay. I was so excited that the the, ty- the name of the album was Pisces. I mean, I'm a Pisces, so it was a pleasure to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was all it took for you? Yeah, exactly. Get into it? You know, and Aquarius, all that stuff. I'm all into that, so <laughs> good choice. <laughs> oh, man. Are you a Capricorn, John? I'm a Taurus. 
damn it. It would have worked out if you were a Capricorn or Jones because I'm Aquarius. Oh, you're Aquarius. Oh, that's that's great. One of my best friends is Aquarius. That's good. Yeah. That was <laughs> an awesome person. Exactly. Well, they don't say what Jones is, so he could very well be a Taurus. That's true. Well, Jones is, a, is another zodiac sign that's one that's not mentioned often. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it, is it one of the Chinese? It's February 28th. Oh, 29th, you mean? No, 28th. Oh, just 28th? Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, that's a little known. I, I don't know much about astrology or astronomy. Oh, well, I will teach everyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this episode is about. It's exactly astrology about podcast astrology plot twist. <laughs> oh, no. Let me get uh, Jasper Johnson back <laughs> if we're going to talk about astrology. Uh, yeah, anyway, so the monkeys were, were prefabricated. You know, they were hired to to make hits and, and sell merchandise. And, uh, but, but they did, they could actually play at least uh, two of them were like accomplished musicians before the whole thing started. Wait, I thought three of them were, I thought well, Peter Twerk, Mickey Dolans and Mike Nesmith. Well, Mike Nesmith, I don't know that Mickey Dolans was that accomplished. He could sing pretty well. Um, oh, oh, okay. But, but I don't, and you know, Davy Jones was in like the London production of Oliver or something as a singer, but like. As far as musical instruments, I don't know that they were either. But yeah, Mike Nesmith and, and Peter Tork were both folkies, well, country folkies, who knew how to play instruments and, and caused a lot of problems, I think. I mean, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just because I, I know there's a story about their manager or the, you know, the dude who put them together, Don Kirshner and Mike Nesmith, punching a hole in the wall and saying, that could have been your face. So I think they, <laughs> they kind of rebelled against them early. What were you going to say, Marianne? I mean, I wanted to sort of unpack fabricated and, and what that means for you and what the implications of having an artist, quote unquote, play the instruments or be a quote unquote accomplished. Like, what, what do we mean when we say fabricated? Well, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a very uh, rockist, is that a word, uh, right. term, isn't it? Or idea, like. right. That, that you got to be like the Beatles or Bob Dylan or the Rolling Stones or somebody to be like authentic. But um, I was I was reading actually just this last week, I was reading an article on why the monkeys should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. And they were talking about they were like, well, none of the Motown people did that. They didn't play instruments or anything. They didn't sing. They had their hits written for them right. by other people. And they're all great. And they're rightly considered great. And they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I think it's a. It is a weird thing, but it can also, I mean, I think especially like what, 66 was when the monkeys first started uh, with the whole, with the whole hippie movement coming out. I think it was definitely seen as kind of a cynical cash grab to try to get these, these TV, TV stars and music stars born when, when they were all their, well, most of their hits were written by other people. I I don't think there's a problem with hits being written by other people. And I don't even think there's a problem with with prefab i don't i think you can take those in a negative connotation but i think like the artists can work go above what their origins are and i think the monkeys for sure did yeah no i agree they were i think usually when we think of a band we think well these guys are friends and decided to come together and make music and that's what uh are like the idealized band is and the monkeys aren't that but they're still good yeah no i and and the idea of like writing your own songs too as being part of your greatness is a little bit weird too when you think about it i mean I and that's guess, that's something that started in the 60s right that, yeah that, that was totally was the never Beatles. expected yeah um yeah no exactly and like somebody like joan jett who is great right didn't write any of her song hit songs for sure um yeah I, it, it's a weird 
it's, you know, it's these classic rock people who have weird ideas of what integrity means or whatever. But as specifically the monkeys, another problem is that they weren't put together to, because they would be good musicians or that even that they would look good on stage, they were put together because they would be good on TV. Yeah. Cause they so had... a whole other place than, than the other, than just putting a band together. No, it's true because they, they would have good chemistry on the screen. Yeah. Um, but they did transcend it. I feel like, Oh yeah. And when, on top of that, the show was really funny. I haven't watched it in years, but I assume that it's as funny now as it was when I was 13. Yeah, I loved it when I was a kid. And then, yeah, then when I was a teenager, I started listening to the actual music. I was like, oh, yeah, the, the shit actually is pretty good. Mm. But, you know, they had Carol King and people like that writing for me. They had big names, so. Right. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess, I guess sort of just even having, and I wanted to sort of, before we even went into discussing all the nitty gritty, just to say that like, you know, when something is fabricated or sort of made for a kind of intent that's, that's quote unquote artificial, you know, just because something is artificially constructed does not mean someone's experience with it is artificial or inauthentic. And I think, I think we're on the same page here. <laughs> no, I think we are too. I mean, yeah. And that, that's a that's a good point that might be uh, disregarded that uh, people can still enjoy something that was created not for like purely artistic reasons. They could still be good enough for everyone to enjoy. But yeah, right. Like it, the the pleasure or whatever sort of emotional reaction you have to it, it can exist without it, like it can exist on its own autonomously without the idea of oh this is not an oh, this is not a real or valid emotion or this is not a real or valid product, so you can't react to it in a way that is real and valid. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a very music snobby type type um, stance to take, yeah. and, and it, you should grow out of it by the time you're like 21, realistically. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because there's plenty of music I don't care for, but like when people are into it, I'm like, oh, well, good. They get out of it what I get out of the music I like. Like, exactly, it's cool. No. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I, on the other hand, if somebody listens like exclusively to top forty terrible stuff, I I do have to question. Well, at least their their devotion to music. Right. No, and that that's true. Like music might not be sort of a deep interest of theirs, as opposed to a passing background noise for right. their car when they're driving. Yeah. Right. Totally. But I know, like. Well, Miriam, you're younger than Pat and I by a, by a lot. Uh, but but even like our generation, Pat, it was we had all that classic rock shoved down our throats, and like these mm -hmm. are the greatest, these are the greatest ever, and your stuff's all crap. Um, you know, I don't know. I Led Zeppelin, and all, I mean, I love the Beatles and stuff, right? But, but a lot of that, like Eric Clapton, that just bored the shit out of me. Yeah, Eric Clapton is terrible. The worst. I mean, not just as a musician, but as a person. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a racist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, but the monkey stuff really holds up. Yeah. So you liked it, Pat? Yes. And yeah. You did too, Marion. Okay. Yeah, I did yeah. It, it was it was a kind of a fun listen. Yeah. Yeah. There's some like there's some kind of dumb stuff on there, but then there's some really good stuff too. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Let's play. Let's play the first song from the album, uh, "Words," which is kind of psychedelic i guess i don't know yeah um yeah here here's words I 
I think we're gonna um, probably zip through the monkey section because I think as as word starts, I I, I thought, hey, it's the doors, and right? It, it gets kind of better. <laughs> better than the doors, yeah. That's I mean, not saying much in my mind, but yeah, it is better than the doors. Um, well, you you picked a song, Pat, um, that I really like too. Oh, Pleasant Valley Sunday. I think I picked the, this because it. First of all, it's a fun song, and it's a very evocative song of, of suburbia. And I think if you know anyone who's ever lived in this kind of area, and you hear the song, it's like this is this is what this is what it's like. And uh, I think in college, somebody I don't know if I'd ever heard it before, but someone played that song, and he's like, "This is exactly where I grew up." Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and Carol King wrote that. I ended up like uh, googling it basically to get more info on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great song, and, and it's it's not the sort of anti-consumerist screed you'd expect from a TV show band. Well, yeah, well, but, yeah. And sound-wise, I think it's of this album. It's the most stereotypical monkey monkey sound. <laughs> Someone sounds most like the "Here We Come" or you know the, the monkeys kind of thing. But it's definitely topically, it's different than what you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks about the creature. What is it? Creature comfort goals only numb my soul. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of I. The first uh, anti-suburban pop song that I can think of, um, and and when he when he sings Pleasant Valley Sunday, I, I always think he's going to say, "I wish it was Monday." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mix it up with a uh, Manic Monday. The Bangles. I'm not saying I'm mixing it up. I'm just wishing. <laughs> just wishing. Oh uh, well, some alternate universe. That's that's how it goes. Um, yeah, no, it's well, the Bangles, another group who didn't write their own songs, but. Yep. Pretty awesome, still. Um, yeah, well, okay, let's let's listen to Pleasant Valley Sunday. Your local rock group down the street is trying hard to learn their song. Serenade the weekend squire just came out to mow his lawn. Another Pleasant Valley Sunday. Charcoal burning everywhere Rows of houses that are all the same And no one seems to care Mrs. Gray, she's proud today Because the roses are in bloom Mr. Green, he's so serene He's got a TV Mothers complain about how hard life 
So this this can just give monkeys haters a. Uh, a I I can't imagine that there's any monkeys haters. I think it's weird. I think like well, the people that run the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, it's like what's his name, Jan Wenner, who founded Rolling Stone. You know, he's definitely one of those. Like for him, rock and roll ended in like 1971. He's so. But I kind of thought that the, like the monkeys had their TV show and they were kind of they were kind of like in the beginning disdained, but I thought eventually they became more co- countercultural. Like with Head. Yeah, no, they totally did. I mean, they b- totally broke away from their their uh, puppeteers and everything. And so started... I just imagine that that rock snobs would like them for that. Like they they became more than the, what they start more than the sum of their parts from the start. They became Rocks. a thing. Yeah, rock snobs like them now. Well, that's um, what I'm saying. So, but when you say haters, do you think they're like aside from the, the editor of Rolling Stone? Yeah, no, I think people of that generation still oh, okay. like who who considered themselves countercultural and whatever can just can't get over it. Well, what reason? I mean, I don't really pay attention to what is goes into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but what reason would you say that they wouldn't go in? That there, there's all sorts of reasons to say they should go in, but I can't imagine why they shouldn't. I think that's exactly it. What we said before, they they weren't considered authentic, and they didn't okay. write their own songs, and they uh, didn't play the instruments on a lot of their songs. You know, I. But like I said, you can make the same allegations against Motown, and nobody's saying the Motown artist shouldn't be in. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's the, I think it's more the fa- in a way it's almost racist. Like if you think about the the way they they allow it for Motown, you know, I I mean. I don't know. It's a weird double standard. We're like, oh, well, they're just black artists, you know? What do you oh, expect yeah. from them? Uh, but these guys are supposed to be rock, and that's the serious music, you know? I don't know. I don't like the I level would, charges would, of racism against people indiscriminately, but on the other hand, uh, baby find boomers this, are pretty racist. I would find this entire thing outrageous if I really cared about the rock and roll fame. Yeah, no, I know. One way. <laughs> exactly. Who cares? Uh, yeah, the monkeys are better than half the acts in there. Um... But okay, well, let's move. You know, I really want to get to One Direction because I think most people know the Monkees anyway. Uh, so let's go to my song, which was a song that was actually written by the Monkees, um, and and wasn't on the original version of the album. It was a B side. Oh. But uh, but on the reissue, they they threw it on, so I I added it. I mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. The I think the singing's really good on it. Yeah, I think, the, and the fast pace of it. Of yeah, the all the instrumentation. Really that yeah. But um, I thought there was, a, I thought it was a really fun song, and I liked it a lot. But there was a weird bit in the middle where it was like absolute generic '60s music that just didn't fit with the rest of the song. Yeah, well, you know that's what happens when you let them write their own stuff. <laughs> but no, I think it, yeah, I think it's really good performance all around. Um, so here is "Going Down" by the Monkees. Floating in the river with a saturated liver, and I wish I could forgive her, but I do believe she meant it when she told me to forget it, and I bet you will forget it when you find me in the morning, wet and drowned. And the world gets round I'm going down I'm going down I'm coming up for air It's pretty stuff under there I'd like to say I didn't care But I forgot to leave a note And it's so hard to stay afloat I'm soaking wet without a boat And I knew I should have taken off my shoes It's front page news Going down You must have had another day that didn't 
Those were the three songs we picked from the album. But it's a good album. Everybody should mm-hmm. listen to it. Yeah, so did you pick this album because it's your favorite Monkeys album? or just? I you... think it is my favorite Monkeys album. Um, the one right before it was good, too, Headquarters. That was an album where they played all the instruments on it. They didn't have any studio musicians or anything. Um, and they had more songwriting on that one, too, that they, they wrote the songs for. But uh, that was when they started to break away. But I like, I mean, this this one's kind of all over the place, too, which I like. Like, it's got the country elements to it. Like, what am yeah, I well, doing? There was that, yeah, that was the one that was really country. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Really twangy. Yeah. Kind of country. And Mike Nesmith's, you know, kind of credited with inventing country rock as a genre. Interesting. Um, and as we all know, uh, as you've mentioned before, Pat, uh, Peter Tork uh, invented uh, Whiteout. Yep. Yep. Mm. And, uh. Davy Jones sadly died. Well, I think we all know how he died. On top of the treasure? No. No, that's a different Davy Jones. I know that oh. used to freak me out, too, when I was a kid. How can there be two Davy Jones? It doesn't make sense. And how can he still be alive? Yeah. Uh, no, of course he died in 9-11, Pat. R.I.P. Yeah. He was flying the plane? He was flying the plane, yeah. Um, but I think that will do for the monkeys and unless anybody else has anything to say i kind of want to get into one direction because it's me I'm too <laughs> kind of excited about how that's going to go i think you're right we should take a break okay we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back we had a comrade a brave comrade he could talk for whole days but then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shanmiro To computers wearing earphones He almost died for conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke Park's great racing Steeplechasing, the Reformation Transubstantiation, Brian Stucker's creation The land of the Thracians and all right, we're back, and we're going to talk about One Direction's fourth album, Four. Yes. All right, Miriam. Was that on purpose? Us. They called it Four because it was the fourth. No, surely um, not. I, I think I think that it was actually. They just did not come up with anything. So this is. I mean, it's hard because One Direction's only been active for about years and they've released four albums so it's such a it's such a machine that's just pumping things out constantly um like they have not stopped touring in four years i by september i will have seen one direction live three times in a stadium tour (laughs) so like they so i think that they just like constantly produce shit and they're just like well it's the fourth album let's just name it four because (laughs) they're like we're too tired to think of anything 
people yeah. are still going to buy I, this album. I thought maybe they were just hinting to everyone that the one guy was leaving and we're only going to be four. I know. that That's how I think of it now because I'm like, oh, my God. Because Zayn is my favorite. Zayn is, okay. is – I actually initially paid attention to One Direction because when One Direction came to America, um, it was sort of at the height of the Tea Party and a bunch of Tea Party folks were writing these articles about how Zayn is going to convert your daughters to Islam and he's going to – I think the specific headline was something like, he's going to pimp your daughters to Islam. And so he was getting all this like hate just because he is a Pakistani who comes from a Muslim family. And so I like paid attention to it. I was like, protect my South Asian son. <laughs> so, well, and that's how I initially started paying attention to One Direction because I was like, why is this, this 16-year-old pop star like having this horrible stuff written about him? By I think that's fucking – I don't – that I don't mean awesome. to be cynical, but how much do you think that those articles by Tea Partiers were planted by the the the, the like the management the, the camp itself? The management of One Direction just to get the name out there a little bit further. I don't I, think it I, was. I, I think about that a lot, but there because there was this. There's also this clip of the man like the One Direction management publicity people talking to a radio interviewer saying, here are the questions you're allowed to ask the boys, and here are the questions you're not allowed to ask the boys. And one of them was, don't ask Zane about his religion, don't ask Zane about his family, don't ask Zane about his culture. So there's like this weird, like, because I kind of, it is sort of a, you know, bad publicity, kind of a weird conversation starter. Um, but I don't know, because I think he, so much of his role in the group, I felt a lot of times that his identity was erased a little bit. And when people would ask him about his religion or his culture, he like wouldn't say anything. Um, so I don't know. I actually think that it, because he is sort of only the, the, the only major South Asian Muslim star in pop culture at the moment. Like there really aren't ones who've broken into the American cultural scene in the way that Zayn Maddock has broken in. No. Um, and so he's, I don't know. I just, I can't, and I, I understand the cynicism, but I just can't, I wouldn't, cause that's painful. Like I, I, that just seems so, no, it, it seems ridiculous. It I mean, it'd be so upsetting for a 16 year old kid. Cause there's also <laughs> in the book, they talk about how his name is actually on some terror watch list and they stopped him in the airport for four hours oh, before entering America. Yeah, um, I, I they didn't report about, they only wrote about in one of their many books that HarperCollins gets to publish and make millions off of. Um, yeah, I would say that because I buy three copies of each of the book, audiobook, hard copy, and the ebook. <laughs> I can't really see some teenage kid being okay with like, oh, I want to make money, so let's whore out my whole culture and religion. Oh, for I... I, I I right. see a teenage kid not having any say in the management, just doing whatever they want. Think, but on on the same token, when you say that they can't ask those questions, I think, well, maybe the management just wants them to be whitewashed. So right. maybe they wouldn't specifically would not do that. Yeah, I think know, that's the impression I get from Zane is, is definitely he's been whitewashed. Their management knows their fucking American market. They know what not to ask him about here. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no, I mean, you also forget Poe's Law, Pat, all these things that sound so yeah, ridiculous. It's it's the tea party or something. They're, they're as stupid as they they seem to be. Yeah. It was at that height, yeah, and that was when they first broke into America was during that well, whole mess. <laughs> I fucking think it's awesome that the tea partiers like fed into the it only like nobody cared about it but them, so it only got their name in the in the press more. No, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> ah, shooting themselves in the foot. 
It was, it's yeah. But, and then it's so funny because Zane left One Direction and then there is a big award show that happens in the UK, the Asian Awards. Um, and he was invited to speak. He got an award, obviously. And, the first, you know, he says in his acceptance speech, he's like, I want to thank my parents for making me Asian. And it was a really touching moment for me because I was like, oh, my God, my, <laughs> my little baby is coming to terms with his identity. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like already having left One Direction, he's already sort of recognized more of his brown culture, recognized more of his family. He brought his mom to the award show. I mean, I, basically, when I say I'm a One Direction fan, I'm, I'm basically just a Zayn Medic fan. So you're not going to buy any more albums, I guess. Are you, gonna, are you, you know, still going to go in September? When- <laughs> I'm still going to go see them live. I, I still care about One Direction, but so much of my love for them came from... Because, you know, I, I was raised Muslim, obviously, and, and my family's Lebanese. And it was... it's. I just can't imagine how amazing it would have been for me as a little girl like loving pop culture and to have known that oh there is this person who is is famous in a way that I can't even imagine and he comes from a Muslim family and he comes from a family that fasts Ramadan or that celebrates Eid or whatever like there is so so like I definitely care and my, my initial reaction when I heard about Zayn leaving One Direction I was like oh my god why is my world ending but also <laughs> I can now finally only care about Zayn and not care about anything else in the band well, so, yeah. is it, so he's planning to go on on his own, like a solo album. Uh, I think fear, that's actually a, a great thing too. Is Simon Cowell, who originally put them together on the X Factor, he they signed the One Direction deal, but he also signed solo albums for all five of the boys. So they all have solo album deals with Simon Cowell's record company, which is brilliant on Simon Cowell's end. He's like <laughs> insane. Um, so, Brilliant or, or evil? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, like, really, he knows what he's doing. He's crazy. But they all have technically, they all do have solo record deals. So he could very well release something, or he might not. I don't know. I know, like, a demo of his solo stuff came out. Well, why, um, why, why do you think he wouldn't? Um, I think he wants. I get the impression because he was always the one who was sort of deeply introverted and, and not as comfortable with the fame. Um, and I, obviously the kind of fame that they have is also probably closer to the Beatles. I know a lot of even the Rolling Stone has compared their, their fan base to like Beatlemania and like the kind of uh, intensity it evokes. Like there is this picture of them in Brazil and it's actually kind of eerie because it's like, thousands of people are standing at their hotel and and it's eerie because it's like, Oh, these people have these five children have the power of a dictator. Like they have, (laughs) it's a very immense power and and it's really overwhelming. And I don't, Zane was always the one who sort of didn't come to interviews. Didn't, he just didn't handle the fame well and didn't enjoy it because it's really intrusive. So I just get the impression that he is going to chill out for a few years before he does anything really public again. Well, then are they going to replace him, or is this going to be... It's just going to be four of my I think it's just going to be four. Yeah, every time they get asked about it, they're not comfortable saying that we want anyone else. Um, I mean, they were so young when they were put together. They were like 16. They'd auditioned as solo artists, and Simon put them together. So it's it's a really... And they didn't win the X Factor. They came in like third place, I think. So... Yeah, it's a weird. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think right now the One Direction boys are. They just started their 
fourth stadium tour. Like I saw them at the Rose Bowl, which is they had they sold out three nights at the Rose Bowl last September, um, which is not done very often to sell out three nights. I don't know. I don't know what'll happen with them. I think they're gonna release a fifth album in November or December. They're like working on it. They're just they're such a they're overworked in a way. I don't even they've released four books, they have a whole perfume line. It's just this constant machine that is producing constantly and it's Wait, are you are you saying they came up with the, the perfume sense sense uh sense themselves? That, that's what they tell us. That they tell us <laughs> that they came up with it themselves. <laughs> They've released three perfumes, so I don't imagine you can record an album, be touring on a stadium tour and have a decision <laughs> in the perfume making process. <laughs> well, Unless it's like just straight off of their odor. Well, the the, oh whole, <laughs> the whole celebrity perfume thing is a bunch of uh, per- perfumiers yeah. come up with all these. <laughs> is that what they're called? I don't know. They come up <laughs> with all these scents, and uh, they have the people smell them and pick which one they like the best. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what it is. I think it's what's the. Uh, I like the idea of having them all in like lab coats in the lab for like in between tours, coming up with their own perfumes oh and having God, each other too. smell what they're doing. <laughs> the. What's the tea party take now? Is it, uh, did uh, Zane go to joint ISIS? Is that what they're saying? Shit like that? <laughs> oh my God. Didn't Bill Maher make a joke about that? I don't know. He, I can't stand yeah. that guy. Oh, did God. It, he made a joke that was something like, oh, Zane has left One Direction to join ISIS. It was like literally that. And I was like, wow, he can't even do anything in peace and you're still attaching him as much as you can to crazy Ugh. terrorist stuff just because he's Muslim. I, I don't even... Is the Tea Party still alive? I don't, I don't know. know. I stopped paying attention. Yeah, but I know Bill Maher is, is still going after Zane needlessly. Well, Bill Maher is Islamophobic, yeah. let's be honest. Like, he, exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I can't... Bill Maher just exists so liberals can have someone to be ashamed of. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it is funny. Like, you know that you you mentioned uh, that that he's a Muslim star because Hollywood always sees itself as so progressive, but they are at least fifty years behind the times with that kind of shit. Like they pat themselves on the back now that they let Indians have parts in movies and TV and shit. Oh my God! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the parts that anybody that's not white gets is almost nine times out of ten is a total stereotype. Stereotype, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Or I think the sort of really upsetting trend now is employing people of color and telling their stories but having their stories still be about some sort of struggle of like liberation like there are so rarely any movies with an all-black cast or with a sort of mixed cast that are actually just about day-to-day life and instead of like oh slavery or oh there is something about that that's also really an interesting thing that Hollywood does is is people of color can only be in stars stars and in movies that are explicitly about uh, a struggle that's quote unquote unique to them, as opposed to just like being a person with yeah, a story. Exactly. Like yeah, exactly. I mean, this have full lives that are not just like, oh, I need to free myself from the white man. Right. And that happened a lot with women too. At some point, you know, a lot of their important it, those really serious roles were about women trying to fight for their rights in a certain setting or whatever. Right. Um, and as yeah. far as uh, I mean, Robert Townsend was making fun of that in the 80s in Hollywood Shuffle, where the only parts you could get were like slave parts or, or uh, drug dealers or whatever. And it's, right. so it's it's not changing. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Well, and and movies, I mean, movies that are ostensibly about uh, minorities 
it's always filtered through the white character too. Like yes, the help or what, which I didn't even see, yes. but it's ridiculous. And yes. poor Emma Stone. Well, I know she's getting it from. Well, she's getting it for the Cameron Crowe movie now too, which is also yeah. kind of heinous. But right, you know, and there was that movie with uh, Naomi Watts, and I I don't even remember who the dude was in it. Um, but about the. Uh, about the tsunami and the yes. hurricanes in in uh, Southeast Asia. Right. It was all about them, and yeah, it's right. Was, was so Ewan McGregor in that? Ewan McGregor, that's who it was. Yeah. I know that was a really upsetting movie. It was like, oh, okay, this tsunami killed hundreds of thousands of actual. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, and the story we found worthy of telling was the one about the white family who happened to be vacationing there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. So it did not. Yeah, Hollywood thinks it's progressive. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, another like 50 years. Call themselves another progressive, but they are selling movies to the Tea Party or so. They can only go so far. <laughs> yeah. And so far meaning nowhere. Yeah. When, once our generation dies off, Pat, I think maybe, maybe it'll be the end of all that bullshit. But who knows? I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. it won't. Um, anyway, One yeah. Direction. <laughs> one Direction. So, so, yeah, this album was the fourth album. Uh, now it's clearly a prophecy about Zayn leaving. There's actually a song on the album called Spaces, and the first line is, "Who's gonna be the one? Who's gonna be the one to say? Who's gonna be the first one to say goodbye?" And I remember even before Zayn left One Direction, I listened to that song, and I, I was listening to it with my friend because it had leaked early, and I like left work and went to her house to listen to it together. And we get to this song called Spaces, and it's like, who's going to be the first one to say goodbye? I was like, can you change this song? I don't want to deal with this song because I know it's going to mean something. Because it's like, it's clearly a song. And this is the album where um, they, the One Direction boys have the most writing credits on. So they've been progressively getting more involved in the writing process as opposed to the first album, which was... I love the first album. I like to think of it that it exists in a different plane and different universe because it is just, it's such a, it is such a pop construct. It's like, if it's a fascinating listen because it just sounds like a good cover of a bad pop song. Like it's this really <laughs> fascinating album and I don't even believe that it exists. It's like incredible. So, but they've gotten more writing credits as, as the, as their career has progressed. And so four actually has, like two of the boys write most of the songs on it. They have a writing credit on almost every song. Um, but yeah, Spaces was a, as a prophetic song about, about One Direction disintegrating. And it's actually, the whole album, I think, has really weirdly dark themes. Like Stockholm Syndrome is, is the name of an actual song. There's like Ready to Run. Like these are, there's something about it that like my first instinct when I listened to it, I was like, these boys sound like they're trapped. Like whatever is happening in this album is not exceptionally positive. It is weirdly dark. Um, well, they yeah. are trapped. Huh? Well, they are trapped, right? They I are mean trapped. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, and that's sort of, God, there's something that, a, a pop cultural thing that started with probably Justin Bieber and extended into One Direction. Um, because these are bands or these are artists that, their main listeners are young women or just young people who grew up having Twitter, who by the time they hit middle school, everyone had a Twitter, people had cell phones. And there's something like they have these update accounts for One Direction. Um, they're just called One Direction updates. And they are like even worse than tabloids in the sense that they will tell you every time, everywhere each one of the boys is like, 
oh, this fan just found Harry Styles at this place in Los Angeles. And <laughs> oh, God. It's, oh, it's really, like find it's a hottie like in stalkers. reverse. Um, it's, it's really disturbing, and there's just a kind of, yeah, I would feel trapped in that fame. They can't go anywhere without there's this video of these three girls following Harry Styles in in LA because he lives in LA now um and and he and he Harry Styles turns back in his car and he's like can you guys please stop following me I will take a picture with you but please stop following me um and they and they don't stop following him they continue following him and he ends up he doesn't lash out but he's like I've asked you so many times please stop filming me please stop following me like in whatever is happening, they're very much trapped. And I don't want to say that their fame is the trap because those fans are also the ones who continue employing them. But I... I well, I don't, I don't think that horrible. matters. I think their fame is the trap. It sucks. Yeah, it is. I do too. It's really horrible. Because I think there are fans who are not batshit crazy. Exactly. Too. Like, they don't, they don't need those these fans doing this. I don't. I mean, when you get to this number of people, though, it's like mob mentality. These two girls mm -hmm. think it's okay because everyone is following their Twitter and watching that video, and they want to do it for them. So they're give, getting their own piece of fame by following him. Yeah, so it, well, it builds on itself. So it, I think there's no way that you could have this this be this hugely popular and not have crazy fans. No. Right. Well, and speaking of uh, Pat and I, have some uh, have have well, we had a friend who was. Uh, you should watch yourself, Mary. It can be dangerous. We had a friend who got totally into Justin Bieber, but she was like in her forties, right, Pat? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like obsessively. And then One Direction, and then she was like spending all her money flying around to oh every show. Oh my gosh! Like, well, it's a, she, I think she had like some mental issues. She was a very nice person, mm -hmm. and then she just went from Justin Bieber to One Direction, and then she went to what was the name of the last one she liked? I have no idea, dude. It's a band from Nickelodeon. I forget the name. Like Oh, the Vamps, maybe? Say that again? Know. The Vamps? No, it was, no. It, was like, it was like three words, something oh. like that. Uh, anyway, yeah. yeah. But she was like paying for all these like meet and greets at every show and flying yeah. all around. Yeah. And uh, now she's dead. So just, just a warning mm -hmm. to you, Miriam. Big time rush. Big time rush. Rush, that's right. That's right. Which are she compared often to the monkeys, and her death had nothing to do with One Direction. And oh. <laughs> well, uh, didn't it in a way? Don't all our deaths have something to do with One Direction? I think so. And speaking of her, one of her favorite things about One Direction, and I'm guessing it wasn't just her because there there are whole segments of their Tumblr popularity are, yes. are about shipping different yeah. different characters, and we talk about how. Uh, the world is not well i guess we don't talk about the world the world is much more progressive and i think of like new kids on the block and boy mm -hmm. bands from the 80s and 90s when uh like detractors of the show would call members of the band gay and that was like mm -hmm. that was like a derogatory term but no fans of these fans of this band mm -hmm. uh, they're being gay is like a they want them to, they desperately desperately want them to be a couple and it's not <laughs> in any way derogatory and i think that's it's it's creepy and on the yeah. one hand because it's just it's just down now creepy but it's it's also a positive yeah uh, social force. I'm I'm surprised I I actually went into this thing I will not bring up fan fiction or the whole <laughs> shipping that comes with One Direction because it's actually a huge part of their cultural I don't want to say relevance but the way that the kind of intimacy that fans seem to have with them. Oh, I don't think you can talk about them without bringing that up because that is a huge part of the, how they exist. It, no, ex and I, I know I just sort of, it's something weird to have to explain. Um, and I never know quite how to do it to say like, oh, you know, 
most of the fan base reads fan fiction. People are writing fan fiction about Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson making out and having sex. And, and it's this, it's such a huge part of the way they're consumed. Um, the relationships that fans write them having um, and the fan art that comes with that. It's, it's a huge portion of, of how, and I think, you know, obviously fan fiction is in general a really interesting and subversive like literary scene because just as I never had a sort of Muslim pop star to look up to when I was a kid, most, you know, LGBT queer, like, you know, most kids don't also, they can't go to literature and they can't go to movies and find their stories echoed in some way. So fan fiction really developed as this interesting way of writing an alternative culture for yourself through the things that are already popular. Um, and then, you know, you see it happened too, I think with like fallout boy, in the early 2000s. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. I, I was yeah. going to say One Direction is the first I have heard of it based on like real life people, not Spock and Kirk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it actually did happen with Fallout Boy. It was called a very, in a much lesser scale than the One Direction fandom. Well, I think anything about One Direction is compared to something else is going to be a bigger scale. Well, yeah, also, no, I mean, Fallout Boy, you got one good looking dude and a bunch of fuggos too. So it's probably not quite as exciting for the fans. That's yeah, but they have such a great band name i mean no offense to one direction but fall boy is a much better name it Simpsons. is a good name yep not uh, a good band but a good name true <laughs> sorry go ahead Miriam. no i mean that was i that just surprised i'm glad that you did bring up the fan fiction and the shipping that comes with one direction because and i think that is also another thing that is somewhat destructive because they I don't know if you're very familiar with the Harry and Louie thing, but people are very intrusive with the way they have attempted to police Harry and Louie's life because there's a whole section of One Direction fans that like legitimately believe Harry and Louie are together. It's not just fan fiction. It's like, no, we really believe they're being kept together. We really believe they're together and that homophobia is keeping them down and they're not allowed to come out as a couple. And um, every single picture that has them together, they find clues of, of, yes. of proof, like their hands are oh almost God. touching. And it's there's so pictures weird. from concerts where it's it's obvious that they're just mimicking what they're going to do that night. It's just, it is very weird. It's, but it's, and it's sometimes when, like I haven't looked at it in a long time. I used, when Betsy used to post stuff, I would read it. And sometimes the Twitter, the Twitters from the guys seemed like they were playing with the fans yeah. by like coming close to almost admitting it. And it would make them go crazy. Right. <laughs> No, it's and, like and being at the zoo and holding up a, a banana to the monkey. No offense to One Direction fans, they're not monkeys, but still. No, that's, that's actually, yeah. <laughs> there is something about, and I think it's something really interesting the way that it happens in One Direction is because the, the boys in One Direction, especially early days, were very much engaging with that in a weird, subtle way. Um, but there's something also weird because in, I think, every single One Direction video... There have not been women, except for the first one. There was one girl in it. Um, they have this, there's this weird thing that happened with One Direction where they desexualized them, but also sort of took that, that, I think I read this article basically that was like, One Direction is playing gay and having them play gay is going to make sure that they stay famous for a really long time. Like there is this, this intimacy that they 
took as opposed to showing women and having them be with women. They like put all that intimacy towards themselves with each other in the videos and stuff. And I don't know necessarily how to approach it or how to have that conversation because in some ways it's really incredible and beautiful. But on the other hand, there's this weird thing where they're also interacting with fans in a weird way by it's like, it's definitely upsetting sometimes for me when I'm like, okay, your songs are clearly about singing to girls and yet you are not allowing a girl to be in your videos or something. They almost, <laughs> it's really, it's really weird. Like the one video they had where there were women, it was like old grandmas and it was so <laughs> weird. It was just, and, and, and there's, I think it was a Buzzfeed article that said that One Direction is playing gay. Um, and that it, that is actually something that calls back to the Beatles who are also very playful and intimate with each other in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Well, I know. And, but it also feeds into the fans being angry when there's any kind of like, I think One Direction fans were, I don't know if they still are, but at one point hated Taylor Swift because apparently she dated yep. one of the One Direction guys. And yeah. it was, it wasn't just like, uh, it was, it was a, it was it was really evil the stuff yeah, I saw like the the memes they would put out it just it doesn't make any sense it was really upsetting yeah yeah well it I mean the Beatles are a really good comparison if the internet was around when they're around I'm sure it would have been crazy but you know they are you already had the whole Paul is dead thing and all these weird really elaborate theories people concocted about them and and uh, yeah. people hated Yoko Ono of course and and they still do and, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean it was you know it was very so. I find it yeah, that hatred of Yoko Ono. I think it was. It's it's weird how. Hello, Pat. Did we lose you? Are you there, Miriam? Oh, I'm here. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Pat. Yeah, bummer. All right, well, hold on. I will. I'll pause for a second, and yeah, uh, sure. we'll get Pat back on the line. Let me get my. All right, and the technical difficulties over. <laughs> yeah, I find I don't. I find the whole thing. I don't know. It's it's kind of fascinating and disturbing to me. Like yes. the I w I want to say right off. Like I think that the younger generation is better than mm. the previous generations. Mm -hmm. I like them more. I think they're more progressive. They're getting more shit done. Mm -hmm. uh, the Occupy movement, all kinds of stuff. Um, I think the internet has helped a lot with that too. Yeah. Uh, but I I do have like I guess what are considered some old fashioned ideas um like it, it's weird to me the idea that that artists now like want to be seen as commodities like they talk about their brand and shit as if that's right. not gross corporate speak right and shit and and um and at the same time these the way fans like i mean i guess there was always an element of that and and you just didn't know about it as much because there wasn't the internet wasn't around but mm -hmm. the way fans invest their entire identity in these these artists is is a little bit scary right uh, yeah i think about that a lot yeah yeah and, and something i don't i'm not saying anything bad about one direction's music but i find their cultural effect infinitely more interesting than their music and i'm not even saying anything bad about the music i just think it's really interesting how how huge they are and how differently huge they are than what has come before. Yes, me too. I actually find them I find their their place in in culture much more interesting than the music itself because I don't think the music is that interesting. Well, I was yeah, we should anyway. <laughs> we should get to the music because I here here was my take on it and I'm not trying to like I'm not snobby about this kind of shit at all. Like I, <laughs> I listen to plenty of uh, Britney Spears and Beyonce and whatever, all kinds. I mean, you know, eighties synth pop, you know, I, I listen to all kinds of shit, but 
for some reason, the music to me, like when I was listening to this album, and I listened to it a bunch, <laughs> it sounded like very production line to mm-hmm. me, like, and, and kind of very formulaic in a way that like I could see, oh, okay, you've got to hit this beat here. This is where this goes. And it was like perfectly put together to be a hit almost right. every song. But yeah. for some reason it didn't like, it didn't move me or stick with me. Like right. I, the songs I, when I was listening to them, I was like, yeah, I get why this is catchy and mm-hmm. I, and I get why it's popular. Mm-hmm. But after I was done listening, I couldn't remember the song. Like, yeah. and, and I listened to it a lot. So it's, it never became like an earworm for me. Like a lot of stuff does. So I listened to this going on that point immediately after listening to a couple of days of listening to Husker Do for a for previous podcast. Previous, yeah. And that's, that music is so rough, like so unproduced and so just. The like Husker Do. Yeah. Yeah. So many edges to it. And I, and then I started listening to this and it's like, it's, it's so produced. That it's almost smooth. It's like, you can't hear, there's no, no, nothing wrong with any note. Everything is absolutely perfect. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's, that's nice. Other times it just, it's kind of grating. It makes it a little antiseptic. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm taking music production classes and yeah, I can, I can hear every single trick they do mm-hmm. when I listen to it. I'm like, Oh, they're, they're using, um, they're using, Oh my God, my brain is failing me. What is the, uh, what is the, Oh, auto tune. They're using auto tune right. there, but it's barely perceptible. Like right. it doesn't sound disgusting like a lot of people use it but i'm like there's auto-tune there and they don't really need it because it sounds like they're recording this almost like one note at a time <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah they know that's actually that's it is how they record i you know it's so funny when you ask to sort of pick one album it was really difficult for me to pick one album because i don't think of them in terms of albums in any way i don't think of them so much in terms of music as much as i think of them as like uh you know, five kids who are singing pop songs. Um, and technically my favorite album is their second one, which I think will be the album that lives on beyond them because it is actually an incredible pop album. Um, but I picked four because that's... Uh-oh. Oh, it sounds like a little One Direction. <laughs> um, I think that was an ad on my computer, sorry. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I think... This album specifically is ironically the one that got the best reviews from quote unquote music journalists and critics um, because it saw them going in a direction that was not, it's like pop without being obnoxiously pop. And yet there is something really gratingly pop-tastic about it. Yes. You know? Um, I don't don't know if I can take the other ones if they're, they're less poppy. I mean, yeah, they're more poppy. I don't, I, I'm so, I guess, no, I can hear what you're saying because there is kind of an indie vibe, not Mm -hmm. that it's in any way independent, but indie vibe to some of the songs. Right. Yeah. It's not like J-pop. Right. Yeah. It's really cloying. Well, the other ones, I mean, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard what makes you beautiful, like their first big hit, which has, I think Last time I checked, it had like 600 million views on on YouTube. Like that's still their biggest hit. It's always going to be their biggest hit. They hate singing it now because it's the one song that will haunt them for the rest of their life. Is that is uh, that the one? What makes you beautiful is you don't know you're beautiful. Yeah, it yeah. It's so depressing. Yeah. It is. It's horrible. that means no one can ever be beautiful. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Once you know it, you're not it. At first, because I was like, well, that's a silly song. Like, why I. If I'm beautiful, I know I'm beautiful. I don't need you to tell me I don't know I'm beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Logical traffic but, makes the ball explode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was just my thing with picking an album in general is it's it's hard to do that with One Direction because I don't think they're about their music so much as it is about them singing the music and the music just functioning as, I don't want to say background noise, but just as a kind of emotional crutch in some way. It's There's kinda, something, I don't, I don't it's know. It's kind of opium, right? Yeah, it's it's I would say it's definitely very visceral, I guess. In a like for the people who are listening to it and even myself I've definitely had a great relationship with the second album which is Take Me Home and that's my favorite probably album of One Direction, but I I definitely picked this one because it had that more indie vibe and and people were paying more attention to the fourth album because you know, if you've released four albums in 4 years and sold out as many shows as they have, it's it's hard for a music critic or a credible music journalist not to be like, okay, these people clearly have a cultural relevance. We can't pretend they don't exist. Yeah, you can't ignore them. Exactly. Like, they're here and they're here to stay. Um, yeah, they're, not, so I think they're, this they're album, not just for preteen kids. Yeah. Right. Um, no, no, I, I mean, that's just my, my, that's my thing with it, is that I don't, it's hard to think of One Direction in terms of albums because I don't, I don't think their music... You see them as the phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think I see them. I, so part of it for me, obviously, was paying attention to Zayn. And then the second part of it was, in general, seeing the way in which bands and art that women consume in hordes, basically, tends to be diminished very regularly. And I think it's really upset. That's sort of why I paid attention. I paid attention to Justin Bieber in the same way. I'm really excited for Justin to have a comeback soon. Fingers crossed for that. Um, but, like, I think, you know, female fan bases made Chuck Berry. They made Elvis. They made the Beatles. They made the Smiths, David Bowie. These really intense young female fans have been at the at the helm of so many incredible music, basically. Um, that, But the music that was, like, the Beatles were sort of everyone shit on them in the beginning. Yeah, they were teeny bopper music. What? They were teeny bobber music in the Right, beginning. exactly. And I think, and I sort of, because I've been always so critical with the way that when something is consumed fully by young women, it's considered lowbrow and unimportant. It's considered not valid. It's considered inauthentic. And I was just interested, it, it just sort of weirdly intellectually, I was like, okay, here's this new band that a bunch of young women are consuming very passionately. And it was the same with Justin Bieber. And then... And it, ha- it just so happened that I'd paid attention to that at a time. It was, I had just graduated college. You know, I was feeling, you know, when you graduate, I, I just felt like, oh, my God, I don't, my life is so different than it ever will be. Um, it's never going to be the same, blah, blah. And I, like, was, you know, sort of emotionally primed to find something to passionately love. Um, and But it definitely stemmed initially from a weird intellectual fascination with young women consuming these musical acts. Well, yeah, it's a it's a double whammy too because teenagers aren't taken seriously either, and and their right. opinions and and uh, their tastes. When in reality, teenagers are who drive culture. Like that's that's where all exactly. the shit comes. It's not coming from uh, people in their thirties. Sorry, hipsters, exactly. but it's yeah. not. Um, yeah, no, it's that is interesting. Um, and because you know, even in general with teenagers 
young women in general too, like, I mean, you know, romance novels are still the most, they carry the publishing industry still, but right. they're somehow not as important, you know, as there's just something, I guess there's the weird double standard of, of any time uh, a bunch of people whose opinion is not an important consume something. They relegated that, that product is lowbrow and uh, unimportant. When in fact, most of the, like a band like One Direction was marketed at young women from the beginning, marketed at young women by people in an office wearing suits and ties. And the minute those young women consumed this, this band, those same men in suits and ties were saying, you know what, this is not an important thing. It is not worthy of cultural examination. It does not, it does not have any depth to it. So we shouldn't even care about it. So I, yeah, so. Right. But then there were other men in suits and ties who were looking to make all the money they could off it, on the other hand. So it, but yeah, on the other hand, romance novels are kind of terrible. I mean, yeah, that's true. But so are so many. God. So I many. So, so much, much anyway when I was in college. Yeah, and yeah. It's not that great. No, I <laughs> they're know. They're terrible, but they're, they're, they're good at what they're written what to they do. set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. They're, it's not like they're trying to win a, a Pulitzer exactly. you know, book or man prize or whatever. They're trying to be titillating and they're trying. Yeah. They're good at what yeah. they want to do. And we might like, not like to read it, but mm-hmm. that's obviously that we're not the ones buying them. So good. They shouldn't be for us. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Um, I, I know. I mean, I always kind of felt guilty, like when Lilith fair was going on and stuff. And I was like, I just don't like any of these artists, but it wasn't because they were women. It was because they were like really hippie, new agey kind of music. It just didn't appeal to me, you know? Hey, wh- who toured with Lilith Fair? I remember it all being good. Was it? It was like Sarah McLachlan and. No, really? Dude, she I, founded it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I don't really care for her, but I thought, I thought, I thought some Lilith Fair was good. Was it? Yeah. I don't know. To me, I'm it always, sure it was all good. It all. For, like, I mean, for other kinds of, People who like that kind of music. Yeah, oh, not I like for me. Lobe, so I guess that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, it was all kind of airy fairy music to me that I, that I was not super interested in. But um, I don't know. We're getting off topic. We we should. Fiona Apple. I'm just looking at the list. That's all. Really, I like Fiona. Everybody likes Fiona Apple. So oh, I, didn't, I, guess. I do. Yeah. I didn't know uh, Fiona Apple was on Lilith Fair. Indigo mm-hmm. Girls. No thanks. Cardigans and everyone should love the Cardigans. Yeah, well, I like it. I like the Lil Cardigans fair. up to a point. <laughs> And that point is when they're in Little Fair and then you hate them. No, what was that song, man? Oh my god, it was so Iron great. Man when they did covers of all no, the No, 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 that stuff was cool, but when they when they had that really big hit, it was really oh, annoying. A love fool. Yeah, I hated that. Love me, love me. Yeah, thank you. Please don't put it in my head. Um, <laughs> no, but we should we got to get to the songs. Oh, yeah, what was what was even Well, Girl though? Girl Almighty is the first one. Uh, I thought it was the most interesting song on the album cuz it had some uh kind of Irish yeah. Undertones to it. Yeah. yeah. And, but I mean, and it's also interesting to me in that it's like a, a boy band, a prefab boy band. But like you said, they don't sound like um, NSYNC or whatever. It sounds, I mean, it sounds basically like U2 or Coldplay, which is not, you know, the greatest compliment either. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's different. Yeah. You know, it's more, it's more in line with like classic rock. Why I could see why like rock writers would take notice of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Your thoughts? Anybody else? No, I, I'm actually, this album especially did definitely have less of a, um, I guess, obvious pop construction. And it did, I think, and they themselves say that right now the band they're really obsessed with is Oasis. And I, am, I just picture these little children trying to 
make an album that sounds like something Oasis would like, even though, I mean, yeah. Wait, I mean, you can't call them little children. Aren't they all like 21, 25, 23 years old now? The youngest is 20. I think the oldest is 22. Okay, oh, yeah. they're not they're not children anymore. They're not children. I know. I just think of them as as these, these <laughs> kids. I first <laughs> these people I wanted to protect. <laughs> Maybe they just like Oasis because Oasis was the, was the new Beatles for like fifteen years. They were, yeah. Well, they're Never. they're barking up the wrong tree there because the Oasis guys are total assholes. I'm sure they they're not going to give them the time of day. They really are, are they? Cool. I didn't know they were. Oh, dude, that's they're more known for that than their music too. I feel like. I um, sorry. Um, but Girl Almighty, I actually, um, my friend, when this song came out, when the album leaked, the first thing she says, she was like, I can't wait to be in a stadium of 70,000 girls who are just singing a song called Girl Almighty together <laughs> while these boys sing, say the ter- the words Girl Almighty. And, and there is a, someone on the internet, um, because obviously there's this whole subculture of One Direction fans, She's she works in film, I think, in Hollywood somewhere. And she made a sweater that says Girl Almighty. And she has this whole Etsy store now of just selling this sweater. And she's making a ton of money off of it. So I think my initial attraction to that song, I was like, yes, I definitely want to hear five boys say I'm the best thing that's ever happened to them. (laughs) Not just me specifically, but just Girl Almighty is this elevated thing. Like this, you know. um, So I, I, I like that song. I think... I think the lyrics are really weird too. Like you came into the room on a big red balloon. Like it's such weird lyrics. <laughs> well, they're obviously got access to plenty of good drugs at this oh. point. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, right. a, that's a big part of their image is the, as they the, do. the druggy um, image. That or even the, as it, her light is as loud as many ambulances as it takes to save a savior. <laughs> what? <laughs> See my previous statement. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's take let's take a listen to Girl Almighty first. Uh, here it is. DJ voice. This is John coming to you on the 405. <laughs> uh, next song. Well, we should say Marion picked all these songs. 
I did. Uh, Pat and I had no say in it. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was totally fine. Um, no control. All right, well, here was another thing that I noticed. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to shit on him either. Mm-hmm. I could not, I'll bring this up. There's there's an exception on the next song we're going to talk about, but I basically can't tell their voices apart either. Mm-hmm. That was another another issue I had. I was like, well, they, they all kind of sound just like generic singers. Except for Zane. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> and maybe that's... Objectively the best not biased in any way whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll be the exception we talk about on the next song. But yeah, that was another... Uh, but but yeah, um, no control. So what was you, why'd you pick this one, Miriam? You know, at the time I picked it, so One Direction is not re- releasing any more singles off of four because Zane is not in the band anymore. And the fans decided they wanted to do a fans released single that is not officially from the album, not officially by the One Direction camp. And they put on this incredible Twitter campaign, this incredible like online campaign where they would set up these like virtual meetings where at, at, you know, at four o'clock on this time, on this day, Everyone here will call the radio station requesting to play One Direction by uh, No Control by One Direction. And I, like a ton of radio stations in the Bay Area, started playing it because the fans just rallied around this song. They decided we want this song to be a single and we're going to get it to play on the radio, even if One Direction did not release the song as a single. So I think just I was interested in how these, these fans decided they wanted to have the single and they were going to make it happen who cares what anyone else says. Um, and I, I mean, the song is, is it's also if Louis Tomlinson wrote it. One of the boys who has the worst voice, unfortunately in the band, um, <laughs> you know, he's great. He's, he's much better at writing the music. He's quite a savvy business person too. Um, he has his little separate companies that also the band that opens for one direction is five seconds of summer. And Louie basically made five seconds of summer. He just found them on YouTube and was like, I want to sign these people. Um, so Louie's probably the smartest. He knows what he's doing. Um, but he wrote this song and, and you know, Louie just, he's, he's a, he's a piece of shit. I I love him. (laughs) He's such a dirt bag. Like just this, this guy in, in ripped jeans and vans and, Sweater, I don't know, Joy Division sweat like shirts. He's he's such a he's such a piece of shit. But he wrote. Wait, this song why, wait, wait. Let's I, not call Joy Division fans pieces of shit <laughs> because yeah, piece of shit. What has he done? It's so terrible. Uh, well, he did say the N word once casually, and that really upsets oh. me. But I mean, in the sense that, like, he's he's I. I'm not. There's a Maybe. whole thing to explain with the way that I say piece of shit. I tend to mean it very lovingly, <laughs> <laughs> as most of us do. Yeah. <laughs> in England, the N word means totally different thing. I think it's uh, the Queen's first oh. son. No, I think it's. I think it's like a sausage dish. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He and and that was a whole other drama is that there was this video of Zayn and and Louis smoking pot. And Louis is the one smoking pot on camera the most, but Zane got to have most of the heat and everyone was like, is Zane addicted to drugs? And it's like, <laughs> this video was showing Louis like anyway. So he been, that was, a, that's my whole other issue with, with, with Zane and the way he's off in the face of the evil, it, you know, it sounds like you think Louis is a piece of shit because he made Zane put smoke pot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I'm sure I, you know, Zane is probably smoking all kinds of drugs. <laughs> Doing all kinds of shit. But I'm kind of not supposed to smoke. Shit. 
because Louis really petty. And I, I love that because I identify I'm also really petty. <laughs> but like Louis is like, you know, he gets into Twitter fights with other random people. Like <laughs> he's such he's he's a piece of I love him. Like I love him because he gets to express the anger or the pettiness that I have that I will not express often. And he does it in front of an audience of 20 million Twitter followers, you know? Um, so he's a piece of shit in that sense. But he, he wrote No Control. He, you know, his voice, I think, is the most prominent in No Control. Um, and I think No Control is one of those songs where One Direction is starting to be like, okay, we're not actually 16 and 17 year old children. We, we are, you know, we're young adults. We're, we're we have sex. We're, we're people. <laughs> right. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, Grind it out. Here's uh, no control. one what like whoever is, sings the very first part sounds different than the rest to me so i don't know who it is i think that's louis oh okay yeah because it was, was a lower register than than the rest of the album i felt like yes i thought this was my maybe i don't know if it was my favorite song of the album but it was definitely my favorite of these three mm -hmm. uh, but i would like it much much better if their voices were sounded different like if it was a guy and a woman singing like so there's more of a contrast before mm -hmm. between the voices. As it was, it was good, but I think it would have been fantastic in that way. And I think they wrote this song too, right? They did. They wrote it too. Yeah. So, anyway, that was my thoughts on it. Yeah. No, I, I like. I think there were some nice moments in this song. Just a fingerprint of lipsticks, not enough. You know, there's just something kind of. I don't know. It's. I, it's a. It's a good song. I liked it. And I like that fans wanted to make it a single, and we're like, fuck it, we're gonna make this song a single. Yeah, I read about that. That I think that's pretty interesting and fun too. That they, yeah, another another part of their culture that they're able to use their social media to push them into radio stations playing them. Although, right, I, I mean, what's the reason that they didn't want to put singles out because Zayn wasn't in the band? What difference does that make? I think that because you know, having to make having to have a single will mean you have to have a video, and theoretically, uh, yeah. people are quote unquote singing in the video. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think. I, there was just something, because, you know, when Zayn left the band, he left it during the tour. They were having okay. the end of their Asian leg of the tour. Um, I'm so sad because they, they did the Dubai show without Zayn and fans in Dubai. And that was their first Middle Eastern show in general. So people literally from Lebanon, Jordan, Kuwait, Qatar were coming to the UAE to see One Direction. Um, well, that's, that's partly because of Zayn. Um, and he wasn't there for that show. But there was something, you know, on stage, it t you know, they had to go and have concerts after Zayn left 
and there was such a visible absence on the stage, they didn't know how to carry the notes that Zane used to sing. But what was really interesting and beautiful for me is a lot of the, the notes that Zane would sing, the fans carried it. because, And that was the thing that I loved about the One Direction concert when I went, was you can't really hear One Direction singing. You hear 70,000 girls singing. <laughs> and and I, I like that because it sort of ends up, it's just a cathartic space for for teenagers to come and sing really, really loudly to the point that you don't hear the artists. They're just there to let something out from inside them. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like, Zane tends to have the strongest voice in most of the songs and he, there is such an absence. So not releasing a single off the album, I think they just don't feel comfortable doing that with a song that Zane was initially in. Well, I think he could have chosen his timing a little bit better if it was the He really could have. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm like, that's the one thing I'm kind of petty about is that, like, you could have waited till the Dubai show finished. Or way, <laughs> way before. That was their last show before they took a month and a half break and they just started going on tour uh, yesterday. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Like, they're worked, overworked. I saw them in September. I'm going to see them next month in July. Like, yeah, in a stadium. So. Where? Yeah. San Jose? Oakland? Yeah, Levi, yeah. Oh, okay. Santa Clara, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have some advice for One Direction. Um, I used to play <laughs> I'm sure in a, they need it. Yeah, I, I used to play in a band, not quite as big as One Direction, but uh, our bass player would get really bad stage fright. Really? So, so he would just not show up for shows sometimes. That was so, Zane. Yeah, I, so eventually we just uh, got a big piece of cardboard and cut out a human figure and stuck a, uh, stuck a plastic guitar around its neck oh and threw that up there on stage when he wouldn't. <laughs> play and they they probably have many uh, zine cardboard cutouts i bet they do sending out to record Whoa. stores anymore they could use one of those i i mean i have a picture with a zane cutout they're much more expensive <laughs> than you think by the way <laughs> i would think they're five hundred dollars oh man i would pay five hundred dollars one direction fans are crazy yeah we, 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 <laughs> no well, offense we will we will attend your funeral miriam oh we, it's we can true. see you're headed that way <laughs> Um, you can, on my on my tombstone, I'll just write "Stay Made of Lightning," <laughs> a lyric from a One Direction song. Wait, is there? There's an infamous uh, fan fiction that, about One Direction that's like like more famous than any of the others. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I know one got sold for a million dollars. Oh, wow. wow! Yeah, They're, yeah. I need to write fan fiction, dude, or make T-shirts. Because uh -huh. Betsy got a tattoo with. Like these two numbers, and they had something to do with like an infamous fan fiction, but I don't remember what the numbers oh, were. Oh, like uh, like Larry and and um, Harry and Louie. Yeah, but they were just numbers. I think, numbers. It, I think it's a number that Harry has tattooed on. I can't even talk about the Harry and Louie thing. <laughs> Actually, no, it's like in some ways it's really upsetting because it ends up being weirdly homophobic in itself, even though it's shipping two men. It fetishizes it in such a gross way. But yeah, yeah there are two. I think it's like 76 or something. Yeah, um, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I, and I don't, and that's a, a, a problem I often have talking about some of this stuff is because I don't want to diminish the amount of labor that so many of these young women put into this. Um, and it's, I'm sure, emotionally cathartic for them in some ways. And it's the same thing with Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, I hate the books. They're weirdly abusive and I don't like them, but 
I don't want to diminish the consumer by, by putting the product down. So it's just something I don't know how to talk about yet. But yeah, some of that stuff is like crazy. <laughs> well, I don't, I, we've talked about it a lot on this show because we review shit a lot. Like I don't, I never think that putting down a piece of art uh, is any kind of reflection on the, the person who consumes it or likes it. Like it's just totally a matter of taste. Like I'm right. I don't judge people because they like um, something that I don't like. I like plenty of shit that other people can't. Well, I say. certainly feel judged about my love of Wes Anderson by you. Well, that's true. Wes. Oh, Anderson. I love Wes Anderson. All right, let's not get into <laughs> it. Um, no, but I think it's more so. I, I tend to be very, I guess, protective. more like critical or afraid if, especially young women, are consuming something. Well, it's also different, like especially. I am assuming that the majority of their fans are still in their teens. Um, yes. And, I don't, is and, that still true? I mean, I, I would, I would think would the fans say, have kind of grown with them, so it's it's kind of an even mix. Yeah, I think so. I think I would say half their fan base is definitely adults at this point, like 18 and older. Um, because yeah. they've been around for what? You said four, year, the, four years? Four years? Four years? Yeah, yeah so... They're, yeah, I mean, most of their fans are under eighteen, but there's plenty that are in their twenties that yeah. are in college. I mean, I know I have nieces and nephews, and um, my niece is a huge fan of theirs, and she's twenty one. So, but I think, I mean, I think it's what I'm what I'm saying is I think it's different for for somebody that age to be writing fan fiction as opposed to somebody in their forties. Like, oh, but I they, don't. What I'm I don't think that the people writing the fan fiction are necessarily the teenage fans. I would say that if you look at the fan fiction, I think a lot of it are are the older fans yes. because I think they tend to be more obsessive and they yes. tend to consume it in more, I don't want to say dangerous, but more, uh, let's say problematic, more yeah. problematic ways. I really? Think. Yeah. Cause I, well, I mean, I was thinking, you know, fan fiction is, especially when you're a teenager, you basically have no agency, you know, you're, yeah. you're trapped and it's, it's like a, I could see it as a healthy outlet. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not saying anything. I think it is healthy. Outlet, outlet. No, even in your twenties for people. Yeah. And, um, but, on the internet, no one knows you're a dog, so who knows for sure how old these people are. But right. I think, in general, I think many of them are older. But who knows? Right. But no, I, I, I actually, most of my friends are older One Direction fans. Um, yeah. And do they do fanfic? Um, I have one, yeah, yeah. Some I have one who does write fanfiction, and, and she's, yeah, there are, they're, they're technically actually established writers in their own fields. <laughs> Um, it's, and they tend to write more sort of fan fiction about them being in love with each other. Um, so, I would say the fan fiction written by teenagers is actually fan fiction of, Oh, Harry Styles loves me. A, right. Yes. You know, yes. exactly. So, and that's the one that actually got sold for a million dollars was a fan fiction about Harry Styles just falling in love with a regular old, you know, girl who's not, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think that that kind of fan fiction is especially. I mean, I'm sure what, what, <laughs> no, or or especially new. I think when it just wasn't on the internet. I think girls right. were writing in journals about whatever band in in the 80s, 70s, 60s, mm -hmm. and even in the 1810s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're they're writing about the local barbershop quartet, mm -hmm. being in love mm -hmm. with them. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I've never read fan fiction. Uh, honestly, is it like pornographic? Like I, I have no clue. Oh yeah. I assume it is. It yes. can be, but not necessarily. But yes, right. I think with One Direction, mostly it, it is. It probably is, yeah. It's pretty explicit, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I, there's a new career for us, Pat. 
I mean, you could sell it for a million dollars. Or you could have no one read it at all and just say you're a shit writer. Yeah. And I'm going to go for with that one. That's one. Yeah, I think I'm more comfortable with that one. You know, yeah, it's, okay. it's in my wheelhouse. Um, well, wait, we didn't we didn't listen to Fireproof yet. Yeah. Um, uh, well, what I want to say is, I for some reason I find like these with these big pop uh, artists, their ballads are usually kind of deadly to me. I don't know what it is. I prefer the more energetic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I did. Yeah, this one I was like, eh. But anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, Let's listen to it. Other other people can decide. Here's fireproof. I think I'm gonna lose my mind. Something deep inside me I can't give up. I think I'm gonna lose my mind. I roll and I roll till I'm out of luck. Yeah, I roll and I roll till I'm out of luck. I'm feeling something deep inside. Pretty fun discussion. I, I predict Pat, this will be our most downloaded episode. I was gonna say that, and people will turn it off immediately when they hear us talking when, about the monkeys. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they'll just fast forward to One Direction. Um, and I, that's why I purposely not said anything bad about One and, Direction. Well, no, I, that's not true. I actually, I was, I have not heard them before. Oh, I've heard them. Obviously, the stuff that gets played all the time, but I've not heard an album all the way through, and I was pleasantly surprised. Like I said, I thought it was a little bit too produced. I don't know if it was overproduced because I don't know enough about that stuff, but I thought it was a little bit... I think their voices are fine. They don't need to be auto-tuned that much. But other than that, I liked it. No, but it's definitely it's definitely overproduced. It's it's so tight. You can hear how like tight it is. Oh, yeah. Well, but that's... I mean, that's basically everything on the radio, too. That's fair. It's, it's You know, it's not... Hmm. You can't really single them out. Um, yeah. But... I can single, single it out since I listen to it, and that's why they think <laughs> about it. No, no, I know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not my thing. But I don't. You know, I don't think it's terrible. Like, it's. No. I'd much no. rather listen to this than Creed or I don't know what's a you right. know Limp Biscuit or whatever. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah, again, that's not saying much. But no, I'm not. I don't mean to shit. Like I said, I don't. I don't shit on any fans. Um, except maybe the Grateful Dead. Don't get that. <laughs> Wait, no, no. How about the? Uh, what are they called? Juggalos. Oh, Juggalos. Well, they're just. They're actually amusing, so I don't I don't mind. Like I would never listen to Insane Clown Posse, but um, you wouldn't shit on their fans. No, I think they're. You know what? You you make a community. I'm all for it, man. Well, that's all what yeah. the deadheads are. Yeah, but you know, it's the kind of community that that I don't know. It's it's not it's not my idea of a community. How about parrotheads? Well, are there any of them left alive? Yeah, they, there's Is, new batches of ruining their livers every weekend at a amphitheater near you. Really, Jimmy Buffett's still like a thing? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, no, that's even worse than the Grateful Dead to me. I don't get that at all. That seems like that seems like 
rich white Marin County old people music. I don't know. I think it's just people who like to get drunk and they go to the the tailgate. I think just like a lot of the Grateful Dead fans are not necessarily Grateful Dead fans, but they like to get high. Yeah, not even. You know what? Let's not even say Grateful Dead. Let's say Fish. I mean, that's that's like a second, third generation Grateful Dead ripoff band. So, Um, hey Vince, is Vince a fan? Yeah, what, didn't he every time uh, this inside I don't know, every Vin- time we went to a party at his house, he'd put fish on for us? Listen, man, Vince, <laughs> Vince is one of those people I was talking about. Music maybe not his passion. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, well, thanks for coming on, Miriam. Okay, we got to yeah, do... this was great. Thanks yeah, so this much. was really fun. Thanks for picking yeah, it was a fun discussion. <laughs> songs, and yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So I'm what, always going to talk about One Direction. <laughs> But before we go, we got to do recommendations, Asians, Asians, Asians. So uh, you're the guest, Miriam. We'll let you go first. Oh, man. I don't, I mean, I don't, I guess this week has been so busy, but last night I start. I mean, last night I saw Judy Bloom, which was great. Um, so oh, I, in Berkeley? Yeah, yeah, in Berkeley. Awesome. She was just here. Yeah, she's doing a tour, I guess man. Yeah, but I just thought she would stay on the East Coast and then go to the West Coast. Maybe yeah, she, she's she's got to move. Here. And I think she's speaking at the Castro today um, with Molly Ringwald, actually. Um, oh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, I just started reading her book. It's pretty good. Um, and I, and I, I'm re-watching right now the Before Trilogy, Before Sunrise. Oh, the, the best. Sunset. Um yeah, those are. I mean, you know, if if someone hasn't seen them, they're Pat. Great, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen them yet. I, yeah, I've recommended them to Pat. Yeah. We're going to do an episode about them. Awful. You should. They're really, really great screenplays. Honestly, just at a superficial level, really good screenplays. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Judy Bloom and and uh, Richard Linklater. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> what do you have, Pat? You can go first. I think I'm still thinking. Shit, dude, I don't have anything. Um, I really should have planned this better. <laughs> okay, I, will, I, I kind uh, of feel I, like Jasper Johnson. He didn't plan so well either. He has that app. Great app. <laughs> I I I took a road trip this weekend and I listened to a bunch of different stuff. But I had I had this old CD that I made for my like a road trip. I took a, I took a long time ago. And I never listened to the CD and I didn't know what was on. And I had lots of neat NPR stuff from eight years ago, so the news wasn't new. But I now I know whether. Hezbollah should be considered a terrorist organization or not. Anyway, um, Bob Newhart, Button Down, Button Down Man, I think it's called. It's a stand-up album that he did in the 60s. It was when he was young, and it's really, really funny. It, it has some like dated jokes in it, but they still work because you know what he's saying. And uh, he was just, he was a genius. So, yeah, Bob, any Bob Newhart stand-up stuff you should listen to. Is it a lot of uh, phone call stuff? This one wasn't uh, the one I just, it had uh, a lot of a lot of stuff where he's playing characters and a few phone call stuff, but just kind of all over the place. I expect it to be all phone call stuff, but no, it just it was a lot, but not everything. Okay, I got actually I have a couple uh, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, we actually did an episode on this already, so it's kind of already been recommended if you listened that far back. But uh, Mary Tyler Moore show they were doing like a marathon of all the shows last weekend on you know one of these oldies channels. Really? And, uh, yeah, uh, it holds up for sure. Oh yeah, still as great as we keep talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything about that show. I mean, we did the episode, but everything about that show is good. And it, and I I just want to go back to what we talked about. We we talked a little bit about how progressive Hollywood is not, and I think that show is a good example of, of how things have not changed because that was really 
a, a groundbreaking show and the the ground hasn't changed at all. We're not getting anything better than that now. No. It's a shame. It was, and in fact, we're getting things that are worse. I was going to say, it was more progressive than most of the shows on yeah, yeah, yeah. So. on network today. Um, the other thing I was going to recommend, I've already forgotten since you had to go and interject. Sorry. Um, Save it for but, next. Oh, no, you know what it is? I'll make it thematic. Uh, the Monkeys, 33 and a third revolutions per monkey. It's probably on YouTube. I don't know. Um, it was their last TV special, like the show was off the air. It is the most insane, like, you don't even need acid to watch it because <laughs> you will feel like you're on it. Um, you sh people should totally check that out. Stay with it for as long as you can stand it because uh, it's trippy as shit. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right, uh, do your thing, Pat, before we go. Oh, uh, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gdbound.com if you'd like to suggest a show you'd like to us to talk about to be on the show or just to say hello. Uh, rate us highly on iTunes. Like us on Facebook and tell your friends to listen and like individual episodes because that helps too. And But more importantly, tell your friends to listen. The more people listen, the more we don't care. Yeah, we really don't care. I don't give a fuck at all. Um, as I, as you know, listeners, you can all go fuck yourselves as far as I'm concerned. But you should give us... We love us, you all. Yeah, Pat does. Uh, you should just rate us on iTunes. Jesus Christ. We don't say write a review. Give us good... Don't be like this dumbass who gave us the last review who was mad that we didn't like Married with Children. His. I think, actually, I figured out that was actually Michael Morris who gave us that bad review. Oh, probably. It would make sense. Um... Anyway, uh, I guess that does it. Uh, this was fun, so you're welcome back anytime, Marianne. And yeah, uh, I'd love to. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Hey. hey, hey, we are the monkeys. You know we love to please. A manufactured image with no philosophies. We hope you like our story, although there isn't one. That is to say there's many. That way there is more fun. You've told us you like action and games of many kinds. You like to dance, we like to sing, so let's all lose our minds. We know it doesn't matter, because what you came to see is what we'd love to give you, and give it one, two, three. But it may come three, two, one, two, or jump from nine to five. And when you see the end in sight, the beginning may arrive. For those who look for meanings, inform as they do fact, we might tell you one thing, but we'd only take it back. Not back like in a box stack, not back like in a race, not back so we can keep it, but back in time and space. You say we're manufactured, to that we all agree. So make your choice and we'll rejoice in never being free. Hey, hey, we are the monkeys, we've said it all before. The money's in, we're made of tin, we're here to give you more. The money's in, we're made of tin, we're here to give you...